Welcome to episode 5 of Back to Beverly, and thanks for tuning in. My next guest is someone I've known since grade school, and someone who I've grown to admire greatly over the years for his work and commitment to destigmatizing the conversation around mental health. Payman Raff, who is a co-founder and CEO of Mad Happy, has not only created one of the most well-known clothing brands of our generation, but also leverages his platform to raise awareness and help those who struggle with mental health. We talk about the many iconic Mad Happy collaborations, the future of the brand, including their physical retail presence, the launch of their foundation, and much, much more. Here's my interview with Payment. Please enjoy. All right. Are we good in there? We're getting the thumbs up. Okay, cool. All right. My next guest is the co-founder and CEO of an iconic streetwear brand that has risen to international prominence since launching five years ago. Their brand has been featured in publications of Vogue, uh, such as Vogue and Women's Wear Daily, and clothes worn by some of the most recognizable names in the world. Since launching the brand, he has been instrumental in the rollout of a mental health resource platform as well as a foundation that benefits their efforts towards destigmatizing mental health and creating more conversation around it. He also co-hosts uh, a podcast with one of his co-founders where they discuss their personal journeys with other influential creators and celebrities. I honestly don't know where he finds the time, but please join me in welcoming the co-founder and CEO of Mad Happy and Beverly High grad class of 2012, Payman Raff. Payman, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. Happy to be here. How does it feel to be back at Beverly? Did you get uh, some nostalgia walking through the halls? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they changed the floors, I noticed, yeah. uh, but, yeah. uh, but it's always good to be back. I think maybe the paint, too, I noticed, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to be back after all these years. I mean, what, this is 10 years for you, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. about to be 10 years. The bathrooms are the same, yep. <laughs> unfortunately. Still but gross. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's great to be back. Are sure. they, uh, before we get in, are you guys working on your 10-year reunion? Have you heard anything? Yeah, I have not heard anything. Thing, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm asking around so yeah. hopefully do you look fondly on your uh, look back fondly on your high school years yeah I, I love my high school years I always say like I feel pretty lucky I think a lot of people I talk to now most of their best friends they made in college but I feel like I made so many in high school and yeah. I think that's pretty rare so yeah. I, I always look back fondly. Beverly's special in that way I think our, my group of friends and your the kids you graduated with your year we're all still close to this day so sure. um, unlike like you're mentioning like other high schools so you end up going to Michigan and following graduation what did you study at Michigan and do you think uh, your time at Beverly prepared you for success in school? Yeah I think um, I was always I was definitely like very like school-minded growing up like school just like came naturally to me and I was always like pretty focused on doing well but also like other things like sports and, and social aspects were important so like that's sort of why I chose Michigan I feel like it had the perfect balance of like a really good business school good social scene mm -hmm. good sports um, and those are like the things I think I learned at Beverly and then obviously prepared me for going to Michigan um, so I mentioned in the open, uh, your co-founder and CEO of Mad Happy, which has become an, an iconic uh, brand worldwide. Can you walk the listeners through the birth of Mad Happy? Where did you guys come up with the idea? Uh, and I mentioned co-founder. There are four of you. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting story because my brother also went here, um, class of 2014. Okay. Um, and we are very different in that, like, I love school and he hated school. Uh -huh. And so he was always, like, more creative and and Mason, who had been our friend, who didn't yeah. go to Beverly, his brother Matt sure. did. Yep. Uh, he had um, them two had started a brand together in high school, okay. just like trying to make clothes in LA, which I think a lot of people have tried. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, it didn't really go anywhere at that time. And they were thinking of starting something new. And this was around when I was graduating from Michigan. And we sort of came together around this idea that Mason had thought of this amazing name in Mad Happy mm -hmm. in a text to someone. Yeah. Um, and Mason had struggled a lot with his mental health growing up, never knowing his dad growing up, uh, just a lot of challenging times. And for him, it meant trying to be like optimistic despite the challenges we all face. And that was really like the birth of this like name and like feeling that mm -hmm. we, we felt from Mad Happy and w w was like the early spark to deciding to start something. Got it. So you're the CEO. Can you explain a little bit about your role and what your main focus is for the brand sort of day to day? Yeah, so a lot's happened, of course, in five years. Yep. I think at the beginning, everyone's doing a little bit of everything. And mm. having four founders early on is helpful because you can do a lot with four people. Uh, but I think as we grew, you know, a few, we were bootstrapped for about two and a half years. Uh, we, we raised a round that LVMH led in 2019. Mm -hmm. And then since then, as we've been growing and as the team's been growing, I think we had to split out our responsibilities more. And I feel like the CEO role is one that's really focused both internally in terms of like hiring, process, culture, building a company that people want to work for and want to like stay working sure. for as well as like helping build like the strategy for the future, how we're going to continue to grow and make a big impact over time. Probably a lot of what you learned in your years at Michigan, yeah? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've always thought, I always think now that like school, like I didn't really like learn, it, it doesn't like relate one-to-one -one sure. to what yeah, you yeah, do. It's it's like fit. until you yeah. do it, um, you're not going to know. But I do think like the experiences you go through, like playing sports in high school, things like that are more related to like, trying to start a business and like the challenges that come with that. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, you've, you've done a tremendous job and cornered the market on very cool, unique collaborations with very iconic brands, especially here in LA, including Apple Pan, John and Minnie's, the Lakers, the Dodgers. You guys did Pixar, Toy Story, I think. Yeah. I think there was a Curb collaboration. <laughs> I know there's one I'm missing that, was, that I loved. Um, were those part of the overall brand plan when you guys launched Mad Happy or, or how did those partnerships and collabs come to life? Yeah, I think uh, we were definitely, uh, that was not part of the plan in launching. Interesting. We wanted to build a brand that was more focused on like positivity sure. and optimism, mm -hmm. but was still cool. Whereas a lot of the brands we grew up with were sort of like dark, negative, like yeah. don't come in the yeah, store. Yeah. And as we started doing that, people were very receptive towards it, mm -hmm. both like our consumer as well as like other brands, celebrities that have worn and supported the brand. And I think for us, um, it became about how do we tell really good stories around optimism, around yeah. mental health with brands that we feel like are aligned. And, and that's it. sort of how those came to be. What, uh, what do those deals look like? I mean, are, are they Oh, are they excited to partner with me? I imagine they are. Do do you guys pay a license fee to use them? Is there is there a split of revenue on the back end? Yeah. I'm just curious how they sort of. And yeah. Is that something that you work on as CEO? Or are you sort of the mastermind? Yeah, I definitely work on that. But I think each one is different depending mm -hmm. on like the type of brand, like sure. how big they are, right? Some are more like corporate in nature. Yeah. But I feel like for us, it's always like there's a clear mental health story to tell together. There's a clear story around optimism yeah. to tell. And then we, we tell it in a big way and yeah. we try to bring as much attention to the space as possible. One thing I, I was curious about as I was driving over was, so obviously you partner with a number of brands. Have you thought about partnering with individuals? Like for instance, and the reason I ask is like, so take Naomi Osaka for instance, who's 
uh, uh, grand champion of tennis, and she obviously has been very vocal about mental health and dealing with the media and stuff. Is there a thought about maybe potentially partnering with individuals moving forward? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, definitely there's some stuff that we're working on on the individual side because yeah. I think it's not limited just to brands sure. now, right? Which I think is amazing. And you can partner in so many different ways. Like back when we did partnerships with the Apple Pan yeah. and things like that, yeah. people thought that was crazy, you yeah. know, and uh, unique, I guess. And so trying to do more things like that um, and then obviously having other properties like the podcast, like yeah. localoptimist.com, where we can work with people like that mm -hmm. on telling stories, mm -hmm. I think is also important. So before we, we move on, I want to ask you, are there, any, uh, are there any secret collaborations or unannounced that you can share on the podcast? I think there's always a lot of stuff that we're working on. I think LA specifically, we're in Q1 of next year, we're going to open our first like permanent store. So there's oh, cool. going to be a cool like food and beverage component of that, which nice. will be exciting. And with a great partner, so cool. uh, that's something we're excited what, for. What part of town, just approximately? Oh, it's gonna be, no, it's gonna be on, on Melrose. Like oh, cool, right, like where you right guys around, have done before. Yeah, right around where okay. we are now, um, so yeah. So you mentioned permanent store, but you guys have done a lot of brick and mortar pop-ups previously. How have you determined where those go and does each location sort of get a fun custom line that goes with those pop-ups? Yeah, so I think early on, especially in 2017, everyone was, talking about online only and we felt like the retail in-person experience was still important mm -hmm. and so we've always done that uh, temporary store model since yeah. since the early days and I feel like being in the best places at the best times of the year is how we've tried to position it got it whether that means LA New York you know Miami kind of all across the country and yeah. um, always something special that you can only get in the store yeah. to get people to obviously be excited about wanting to come uh, it's interesting what you guys have been able to do, which is build a community online that also translates to your store. And I, I used to work for Rick Russo and he preached that a lot, that like the brick and mortar experience was so important and the brands that did it well were gonna survive. And I think he might have contributed to the first round, is that right? Is he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick um, and Justin uh, are, are definitely big supporters of cool. Mad Happy. Cool. Uh, we're actually gonna be working with them on some stuff in yeah. the coming months. So oh, very cool, should be, it's exciting, uh, I'm happy to hear that. Um, so on the pop-up stuff, uh, obviously you mentioned trying to be in the right places during the right parts of the year. The lines, like for instance, I was in Aspen earlier this year, visited the pop-up. Um, there was a ski collection in there, which was very cool. Did, obviously that made sense for the store in Aspen. Was that also available elsewhere, like online or in the other pop-ups? Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't know if there was one at the same time. Yeah, it's a great question. I think most things are available online and then in in a store as well. Got it. But there are certain things like, you know, the Aspen hoodie or the Aspen yep. like jacket where, where they won't be available everywhere. Um, and the idea is like, you know, obviously like market specific, but mm -hmm. also just like time and place, like you have to be there to be able to get something. We sure. think that that's a cool part of the experience. Yeah, sort of a reason to drive people to the store and experience it exactly. in real life, yeah. So I'm curious your thoughts on what you attribute the success of the brand to. Obviously, collections are well-made, well-designed, the collaborations are very cool, but do you think uh, the recent focus on mental health awareness, especially over the last few years, pandemic, huge rise, has played a role in the popularity of Matt Happy? Yeah, I think in any success, and of course, like we feel like we have a long way to go, um, and it's still just the beginning, but I think there's so many elements. One, I think we're very fortunate to have a great name. Mm -hmm. I think the name's super powerful, but also yeah. like stands for what the brand is. And so that's half the battle. Yeah. The other half is we started talking about mental health in 2017, and no one was really talking about it back then, sure. but each year the conversation has picked up, of course, accelerated by things like the pandemic. <laughs> athletes, entertainers now talking about it more openly. Yeah. And so I feel like there's this great like tailwind behind this movement mm -hmm. that we feel like we're a part of and yeah. we're the ones just 
trying to make it cool to talk about mental health, cool for it to be part of your daily life. Yeah. And the more we do that, I think like, you know, hopefully it all continues. That was gonna be our next question was, have people rallied behind the mission of the brand? And it sounds like you sort of have yeah, found that. For sure, I mean, I think like, you know, people want to support brands that uh, they align with, yeah. right? Not just like, of course, people have to think the product's cool, the product's great, all that, but I think they wanna get behind optimism. They yeah. wanna get behind mental health. They wanna yeah. get behind whatever the brand is pushing. And, and so I think that it's an important part of brands of the future. Cool. Um, you mentioned it earlier, but the Lo Local Optimist blog was the blog you guys launched to as a sort of a resource platform for mental health. Yeah. Um, and I was reading something on there that one of your co-founders, Mason, wrote, which was that you guys, uh, about plans for the future and trying to reach more population worldwide and trying to spread the message. How do you achieve that while also maintaining sort of the aspirational piece of the brand? And are there any future plans to release collections with price points that might be a little lower and more accessible to the masses? Yeah, it's a good question, I think. You know, we've always wanted like everyone to be able to get something from Mad Happy, and we made certain decisions around product quality that force us to price in specific sure. ways. But I think uh, there are more and more products that we want to have that are more accessible. And then it's also about adding things that are completely free, things like the podcast, like the newsletter, like Local Optimist that you can just engage with, and it's at no cost. You mm -hmm. can come to the store, experience the store, and and buy stickers if you want, sure. right? And so I think doing that more and getting that message out more mm -hmm. is definitely one of our leading priorities. So offering a little something for everybody, whether it's a hat or a sticker or something. 100%. Got it. Um, I, when I was preparing for, I knew we were gonna sit down, I was preparing, I was listening to an episode you did with Lindsay Carter, who, formerly Bresnik, who was also a Beverly grad on her yeah. podcast, um, Ready, Set, Spill. Have you ever given any thought to, and I think this is so cool, to the fact that a handful of iconic clothing brands uh, were founded and run by former students who were all at Beverly at the same time? And for those listening, I'm referring to Lindsay Carter, who obviously I just mentioned is the founder uh, of Set Active, Taylor Offer, who you guys talked about um, and was between, uh, was between us in school, is the co-founder of Feet, which was a sock brand uh, and has evolved into this sort of loungewear. And then Joseph Perez is the founder of Cherry, which is worn by the likes of Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber. So have you ever had any thoughts of that, that we were sort of all here at the same time and now there's these iconic brands out there? Yeah, it's pretty funny because yeah. I feel like most of us wouldn't have thought we'd be doing what we're doing right. now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Beverly's uh, pr pretty special for that reason. And yeah. in every year, there's just like people doing amazing things, yeah. which, which is awesome. Um, I, it's, it's been fun to follow the stories and I, I wanted to ask you that question just because I was like, wow, yeah. this, I mean, when you really think about it, like four really cool brands, people like coast to coast know about them. I mean, I, when I scroll, talking about Mad Happy in particular, when I'm scrolling Instagram, like I see people worldwide and I'm like, is that a Mad Happy hat? And they're wearing, <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of crazy. Is that ever dawn on you that like people around the world wear your stuff? Yeah, I think it is crazy. And, and still like, it's like very like, gratifying or amazing each time I see it, like yeah. in random places, like airports or random schools or being out not in LA. I think it's like so eye-opening, especially after the pandemic, like finally like getting to like travel again yeah. and then seeing it. And the brand grew a lot in that time, I yeah. think is amazing. And, and hopefully we could just continue that. Um, so so definitely, yes. Yeah, so I got a couple more for you before before I let you go. In your role as CEO, do you give yourself time to dream and do you think about the evolution of the brand? Like do you do you take a couple hours out of your week and say, okay, this is gonna be my my time to think, okay, what's next for Matt Happy? Yeah, definitely. And and that's something that you have to do more uh, as as you get bigger, because mm -hmm. I think it's 
earlier days, it was very easy for me to just get bogged down in like the day to day because it's so important and you do need to do that. But yeah. then your job as a CEO, but really as a founder is like to put the right team in place to then be able to like focus on the future of the brand. Yeah. Um, and so we're always doing that. We're always just trying to like get better, improve a little bit. Um, you know, make a little bit of a bigger impact each year, especially on the mental health side of what we're doing and offering. Uh, so, so yeah, definitely a big part of it. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the pop-ups. You've gone from, and I, and I was listening to your podcast, which I highly encourage everybody listening to this. Um, it's the Mad Happy Podcast, and you guys go into uh, great detail, and it's pretty raw, and talk about your own mental health journeys. For sure. Um, but you talked about how you guys launched the brand here in LA at, with a big party on Robertson. So you've gone from hosting parties to pop-ups, iconic collaborations, now a huge mental health content platform. What's next for you guys? Yeah, uh, I think more of the same, just like how do we uh, make the world a more optimistic place? I think that's been sort of our goal since the beginning. and. As we've grown, we've seen new ways of being able to do that. Mm -hmm. I think day one, we wouldn't have been able to tell you all of that, but I think yeah. you look at what a Patagonia has done for sustainability over 70 years, or Nike for physical health and movement, yeah. like why can't we do that for mental health? And so I think that's the journey, hopefully we'll be on for a long time, yeah. and hopefully we could check back in and see where we're at in five more years, and yeah. then 10 after that. It's exciting stuff. and. Um, Commendable for sure. Uh, so we talked and there there are plans for a permanent brick and mortar soon. Are there any plans for additional pop-ups outside of LA, new cities outside of where you guys have been before? And I think, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been New York, Miami, Aspen, LA. Has there been any other yeah, pop-ups? Yeah, those have been the main ones. Yeah. I think each year we'll continue to do some of the temporary ones mm -hmm. as well as like additional flagships, yeah. both in the US and now increasingly abroad. So oh, cool. I think that's that's how we're thinking about it. You know, the brand's grown beyond just the US and yeah. we've never thought about it as like just a US type brand, yeah. you know? I think the name is pretty universal, the message sure. is universal, and so hopefully we can bring it as many places as we can yeah. physically, yeah. and then also digitally, you know? I think there's a lot of room to be creative and in, in where people can wear Mad uh -huh. Happy and, yeah. you know, outside of just the physical. Speaking of digitally, uh, did you guys have to learn, and, and I imagine it was a huge learning process, but when the world shut down two years ago, I mean, did you guys have to learn how to sort of push the brand more digitally? Or, I mean, yeah. or you guys were, we were digital, from, but yeah. it's, a, it's a good question because we were always used to doing both. Mm -hmm. And like physical was definitely like more in our wheelhouse. We had never been used to like just online, yeah. only marketing online, only talking to people online. And I think in the pandemic, we really had to learn how to talk to our audience, talk to our consumer and just like make sure that like we were still there for them. Yeah. And, and, and also just like adjust the messaging, you know, yeah. it wasn't all about us at that point. Like we specifically did like no press in 2020 because mm -hmm. we were just like, it doesn't really make sense. It yep. doesn't like feed what we're trying to do. Right. Um, you mentioned international pop-ups, London, Paris. What, what are there, uh, are there set plans yet? Or is you know, there's a lot the coming, there's yeah. a lot coming. Okay. Um, but you know, those are two good guesses, yeah. places in Asia as well. Cool. So just, there's a lot uh, yeah. of places we still need to bring that. Happy yeah, yeah, to. yeah. Well, I'm excited to see where you guys go. Um, you guys recently launched the Mad Happy Foundation, which gives 1% of proceeds from uh, clothing sales to uh, mental health awareness. What, can you talk a little bit about that? Are you, I mean, what do you guys, has it been, a, have you guys gotten a good, good reception so far? Yeah, I think um, very early on, we started working with amazing organizations, donating, you know, sometimes percent of proceeds from specific releases mm -hmm. or just at the end of the year or supporting different like research studies. Like yeah. we have one with the University of Pennsylvania right now. And so closer to towards the end of last year, we thought like 
creating a foundation that gives us more flexibility in mm -hmm. what types of things we're giving grants to, what types of uh, studies we're, we're funding, I think yeah. um, was the long-term goal for us. And yeah. so I think the timing made sense. We launched it this year. It allows us to also bring in donations from our consumers if they cool. want to add donations, sure. you know, and it, it, it gives us more flexibility because so many people were coming to us like, how can I support? Yeah. Um, and we didn't have a direct way besides leading them to other great organizations. So we're excited about it. And there was a donation to a, a research study at Penn or something. Am yeah. I right? Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah. So we did that um, last October and we're basically doing a study with them uh, that, that we funded to um, look for tools for like student mental health, like how, how can they better take care of their mental health. Yeah. It's focused on college kids, but it can be adapted to like sure. high schools and, and really like students all over the world. So more of a tangible like people who like and support Mad Happy can also benefit tangibly mm. from like the toolkits we'll be putting out yeah. uh, with, of course, amazing universities. Yeah, amazing work. Um, I'm curious, so you guys host your own podcast and I've listened to a few episodes and it had some amazing guests including Lindsey Vaughn, uh, I think Logic was on there, um, uh, what was I listening to, Alexis Ren today. Um, are you amazed and do you ever give any thought to the fact that so many people, like, people that are in the public spotlight are willing to share these stories about their past and what they deal with? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things we realize about podcasts, of course, like everyone has a podcast. Yeah, days, everybody and their mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for us, like, uh, we wanted to do it because we thought, of course, these people have done podcasts, but like no one's asking them about this stuff. Right. And as soon as we started doing it, you might interview someone who you don't know much about is like famous or, or whatever, but yeah. they have such an amazing story that like they've never shared before. And yeah. I think bringing those stories to light more is is important because it makes everyone feel like they're on the same playing field, right? Like just because someone has a lot of money or is famous, yeah. like that doesn't mean that they don't struggle. And right. I think people often think that. Um, I, well, uh, me, me too, I'm guilty of it because you, you look at these people and you see them online and you think, wow, they, you know, their life's perfect or whatever, but they're going through the same stuff. Um, and I appreciate that you guys are bringing those stories to light and getting them to share it. Um, it's, been, it's been fascinating to listen to. Um, so I got one more before you before I let you go, but obviously we're back here at Beverly and it's been 10 years for you. Yeah. By the way, have you been back since graduation? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. Um, I, well, your brother graduates, um, you were at his My graduation. brother graduated yeah. after and then uh, I still support like Jarvis and the basketball team. Oh, nice, so, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do like coming back at yeah. times. Um, what would you say to your high school self if you could give one piece of advice? Yeah, I think um, my one piece of general advice is like I think early on in my life, I always thought like you had to follow like a certain path, you know? And um, if you're, you know, I'm definitely more like type A, like I wanna like strive to like be really good or get better or like be the best I can, very competitive. And I think sometimes early on in life that can like narrow down like the opportunities you have. Cause you're like, okay, like I need to study business undergrad, then check I need the to boxes. go into banking, yeah. then I need to do this. And I think being open to your curiosity earlier and yeah. taking those risks earlier. Um, I was very fortunate in taking this risk to start Mad Happy. It, it almost didn't happen. I guess that's a story for a different day. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think um, those opportunities, the earlier you take the risks, um, that's like when, you know, when it's least risky for you sure. in the long run. And yeah. so I think uh, that would be my advice to myself, to really anyone that uh, asks yeah. me. <laughs> that's what I say. So you did, you did mention banking, and, I, and I've, I've heard the story, but I think it's fascinating of sort of how you ended up with Mad Happy. Do yeah. you, before we go, do you mind just telling that story quick? Yeah, I'll tell the quick story. I mean, I think uh, I grew up just like 
trying to like overachieve in high school and college I got a good job in New York and banking and like two months in I got like pretty sick like nothing serious but I had to like take a month or two off so I came back to LA um, right around the time that like Noah and Mason were talking about Mad Happy and I think it was fortunate in that like you know I started helping them with it and I, I decided to not go back to New York but I didn't think I was going to be working on Mad Happy yeah. I was like I'll just get a different <coughs> job here and eventually like a few months down the road I realized like oh like this is what I'm doing yeah. and and without that without moving back without getting sick which yeah. felt like a low at the time like this would have never started yeah so. I know I keep saying last one but this is actually last one I asked so I just telling you before the show I had Celeste on and her episode just came out recently um, and I was asking her about her life and and I'm a big believer in everything in life happens for a reason and you're on a path and you know it's just sort of like predestined and certain things happen have you thought about that in context of your own life of like you know, maybe you don't get sick in New York, yeah. uh, or or you did, and you moved home, and that's how you end up. I mean, have you thought about yeah, that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think like you, you really can like manifest so many things for yourself if you do just like believe in what you're doing, um, and like you don't exactly need to know like what your dream job is or what the you know, but like to to really believe in yourself is like a a skill that you can develop over yeah. time, and then I think just trust whatever happens and keep believing and like be optimistic like yeah. we say. Uh, well, it's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming back and I hope you enjoyed this uh, little trip back to Beverly. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Dylan. Cool. This was awesome. Thanks again for listening. And just a reminder, if you enjoyed this interview, hit that subscribe button, leave me a review, and tell a friend. You can also find me on social at Back to Beverly on Instagram. Till next time, I'm your host, Dylan Curtis, signing off. Did you press record?